0: Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Marketing?" I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collision's YYC listeners. This was an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, ClearMotive Marketing is 15. I wanted to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collision's YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, Mr. Shannon Phillips. How are you doing, Shannon? I'm good, Tyler. Yourself? Oh, good, man. So good to come on. I think we got introduced to my fellow chef. Uh, for anyone who's been watching me lately, I've been doing a top chef competition with Mr. Mike Procy. He was a rock star of an individual who did win the event. So he kicked, he kicked ass with his cooking and, uh, and, his show, and his showmanship. But I think that's who, that's who introduced us. If Again, I always love to do the one degree of separation Calgary story.
1: <laughs> that, that's correct. But he did tell me to congratulate you.
0: On the oh, end. Oh, well played, uh, Mister Percy. Yeah, well played, yep. sir. <laughs> you,
1: you, you may have raised more uh, more funds than him. I hear. I,
0: I did. Yeah, I waited to the eleventh hour too to make sure I got ahead of him on that one. We had a good friendly, a friendly everybody wins kind of competition on that one. Um, you are director at Unbounded Thinking, and let's just—I'm going to stop right there. Let's jump in the old pitch elevator. What's Unbounded all about? What do you guys do? What problems do you solve in the world? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Dot dot dot. Mm.
1: Yeah I mean, hey we're in the elevator how many floors do I do I have here Well
0: we'll we'll, we'll see that will really you know I'm, you're 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 on the clock let's put it that way <laughs> Yeah
1: <laughs> If I'm off you'll press the uh the button to get off early right
0: I'll press the I'll press the emergency get off button
1: totally <laughs> Yeah, <you. laughs> yeah I, hey at a very high level I mean it, it's in the name right unbounded and and it, and it came from this idea of moving away from traditional ways of thinking right to kind of unbound from that that, uh, that way that we're all used to, you know, strategic planning. We've been doing it for 70 years, right? Is that the right way to manage a, a company's strategy, mm. right? Traditional management theory, that hierarchical top-down, is that the right way to manage an organization in today's world? So problem-solving, all these different ways of traditional thinking, that, that's really why we created Unbounded Thinking. And, it, and I think for this podcast, it's really focused on that how how do you approach problem solving as an organization? How do you approach innovation as, a, as an organization? It's really getting into the how uh, behind all those things. So that, that's really at a, at a high level of what and, and, and why you kind of unbounded exists.
0: I appreciate that. And you and I chatted before we had a bit of a, most of my guests know, we do a little pre-chat and then we kind of get into it. It seemed to definitely pivot all around innovation, but I like even where you you were very specific there of like, is that top-down approach? Is that correct? Just because we've, just because we've been doing something for 70 years, one would argue because we've been doing it for 70 years is a reason to look at it. Is innovation... uh a masthead a label that we can put over top of, oh, we need to innovate. Everyone, t- everyone you can't throw a stick and you hit innovation right beside the word pivot and beside another series of words. Mm-hmm. But is it really come back to like, okay, before we even worry about innovation, let's really understand where we're just caught in these patterns of doing things the way we've always done them. Like just trying to get the dynamic between those two paradigms of just throwing the word innovation out early versus like, well, wait, there's a layer above that we need to think about.
1: Yeah, really, really good point there. And I think that complexity curve of an organization comes to mind when you bring that up, right? You're a startup, very little complexity. You're a ten thousand person organization, complexity is off the charts, right? (laughs) And and as you grow, that that complexity grows. The ability to change and to manage change becomes harder and harder. And then naturally, that i that concept of innovation, and we could talk for an hour on on what that is, but the concept of innovation becomes less and less a reality, and it becomes more and more of a buzzword of, it's just said, it sounds sexy to say, but how do you innovate within a complex organization? So yeah, it is kind of at the the mast for us in in our approach. I mean, my my background is in organizational change, uh, organizational behavior, and then that natural next step to look at proactively Managing change or proactively being becoming future-focused led us towards this idea of how do we manage innovation systematically across an organization? And I think why it is at the mast for us is because ne- the time is now, right? We're all trying to manage this crazy amount of, of, of change daily and, and how do we do that successfully? So that, that's where we, we focused in on uh, a lot of our work
0: and is innovation it's just sexy it's easy to say it's 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 out there it's we need to innovate it's literally it's in it's in a strap plan it's in somebody's <clears throat> here's our mission it's in probably if you wanted to look at the number of town halls that are hosted at the beginning of the year in large corporations that were innovation probably shows up x amount of times like there's probably some really solid stats around that but I heard what you really said we're going through an unprecedented time of change when internal and external factors are pushing and bending us all the time we're trying to chase innovation but I wonder if we ever stopped and did the work to be Good at change in the first place. I find it. We talk about change a lot too, and a lot of humans I know, maybe people on this call, sometimes. are Yeah, I'm really into change until it really means I have to change, and then I i put my, I dig my heels in from time to time. Uh, did are we are we focusing on the wrong thing with chasing innovation as that kind of mass head or that you know the the banner in neon when change is really the work we need to focus on our organizations.
1: <clears> 100. <throat> we we talk about it a lot, <laughs> okay, right? right it's, yeah, it's it's foundational and. Yeah, we, we can kind of predict it now, right, with organizations that don't have a capacity for managing change, right? We, we see it right away that if they jump into that innovation space, they don't do too well, right? They haven't built that foundational capability to look at change first <clears throat> before they start saying, now let's really jump into innovation. It, it, it doesn't work. And, and I think, you know, <clears throat> individual change versus organizational change are two different things, I think, uh, well, on different levels. But, uh, you know, everyone's talking about this rate of change, but we like really digging underneath the the surface there and looking at what that actually means for an organization. And I think, you know, last 10, 15, 20 years of this whole planet being connected to each other, right, that act of problem-solving is not within a 300-person town anymore. It's uh, across the globe, right? So, what has that done to the rate of change? Our ability to problem solve has just become global. That means it's going a lot faster. How do you keep up as an organization, right? That's where change becomes more important than that innovation word. And, and yeah, we find it time and time again. If if organizations are trying to jump into that, you know, let's put innovation on the website and, and let's talk to our shareholders and tell them that we're innovative. How? How are you doing that? And and, and talk to us about how you're managing change first because that's 1.0. 1.0 to surviving today is is change, and and 2.0 when you're ready, then then we're ready to have that conversation around innovation.
0: Is this like – I'm thinking back to my fitness days where if you wanted to (laughs) – if you're if you wanted to hold a class about stretching, you should probably just call it six back abs. Then everyone shows up, and then you teach them stretching. Is that kind of what we're talking about here a little bit? We're gonna call it innovation, but when you get here, we're gonna spend a lot of time, and we're gonna do that on right now. We're gonna get into change. Uh, do you have to? Do you have to do a little bit of a bait and switch <laughs> to to get some traction on this thing? <laughs>
1: you've you've just uncovered our secret Tyler
0: you've exposed us I like to get the easter egg right out of the gate like right, a couple minutes into the show <laughs>
1: yeah yeah perfect <clears throat>
0: Okay, so let's let, for the audience, we're going to get to talking about innovation, which is maybe why you tuned in, because I'm probably going to use innovation in the title for this one. So if you're like, okay, guys, when are you going to tell me how to innovate? Talk to me about change. Talk to me about the early stage. And for parameters, are we going to talk about a 10,000 person organization? Are we going to talk about a startup? Or are we going to weave kind of in, in between? Because it's, I'm assuming your content when you show up for that first day on site to do some coaching and support or training it's going to be a different narrative or is it, am I, am I maybe overcomplicating it with who you're talking to?
1: Yeah, not at all. I, I think I go back to that, that curve of complexity, right? I think that's okay. a good, good anchor or visual for people listening in, because yeah. if you're a startup, unless you're on that journey of wanting to become a unicorn and sell and sell and sell, which is a very disruptive, non-economic development savvy uh, approach for, for, you know, Alberta is a province and, and Canada wide. Even though I'm coming in this with a, a non-Canadian accent, um, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pro-Canadian. <laughs> it, it, it,
0: it's a dead giveaway right out of the gate.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I think if you are on a path to having a successful organization, one-person startup, 30-person organization, 10,000, you're on that same curve. Okay. Right? And, and then so, yeah, you don't have any processes. Hey, we get to be nimble. We get to be a startup. We get to make decisions on the fly. That's all... You know, fun and sexy, but if you want to survive as an organization, you have to build in your first process, right? You know, oh shit, we don't we don't have a, a an onboarding process, and now we've had to bring in twenty people. It's it's chaos. Okay, well, let's build an a HR program, right? That just slowly becomes, you know, you're on that same trajectory to a large organization. Now, the problem with that is, okay, Shannon, that, that makes sense, but. The irony in, in how we manage change today is, is typically with, a, you know, methodologies that are more complex than change itself, which is it's crazy in my oh, mind. Okay. Right?
0: Tell, oh, okay. Tell me. Oh, I like that. Tell me more about that.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's a concept of organizational change management, right? Very long, unsexy <laughs> kind of yep. terminology there, but it, it's really the, the, the basis for how organizations are managing change at a, at a, at a complex level. But it, it's not—it's not a fun way to do it, right? It—it it makes it more onerous, and and you know, oh my God, here comes the OCM people, right? We're gonna—they're gonna make things harder than what we're actually just doing. So there's, you know, business has butchered that concept of of trying to manage change strategically. Um, so it, we need to make that easier, right? We need to make that practical, and I think that's where we're focused on since we started Unbounded was how do we make you know, change and that innovation work that we'll get to. How do we make it practical, accessible, and just something we have to do at any stage along that complexity curve? That's that's kind of been the you know, the discussion we'll have whether whether it's with a startup, whether it's with a small business, a non for profit, or you know a, a global company
0: is a starting place even just getting the terminology right and get like again lost language is is oh change oh that means one thing to me we both nod but yet we're both thinking about something very different in terms of what that might be or how it might impact us whether we're an individual just trying to get the mountain of work done on the corner of my desk and you're trying to make me change how I do it you know uh, the middle of a busy day is exactly when you don't want to switch your email server you know what I mean you're like you oh it's going to be new and better I'm like but right now all it's doing is making my life miserable because I got a pile of shit to get done <laughs> because we laid off a bunch of people during COVID we never hired them back like we all know the stories that put pressure on that is when you first enter an organization no matter where they are on the curve i like i think it's a great visual because we can all picture up and to the right with complexity versus the the sexy nimble fast words that create their own level of chaos is it just about getting people on the same page like how would how would you go about getting everybody to nod in the same way to even the word change management
1: (laughs) yeah i think for me i had to jump jump ahead a few levels of how do you make this interesting for people to want to think about and, and consider and, and talk about? And, you, you know, if you have that initial discussion, which we haven't yet around, how do you actually define innovation? It's one of the first things we do. And there's people on the side of the fence who say, well, you don't need to define it. And there's other people like myself who are saying, well, if you've got an organization, whether it's 10 or 10,000, if you don't have an aligned definition on something, You've just created chaos, right? And a lot of organizations will jump into being, you know, stating that they're an innovative company and couldn't define what that means, or how they do it. Okay, for so from of your money.
0: approach, you guys still work about like I love the concept of like lost language or shared or shared meaning. So you, first thing is let's put some shared meaning around even the concept of of, of innovation. What are some of the? Is there some common themes? Because I'm assuming you lead the witness a little bit in this as you start getting everyone's throwing out. You know, I'm, I'm picturing you're in a room and everyone's got their pack of sticky notes and they're throwing up what innovation means to them and as a way to do it. I'm assuming there's some parameters and there is some ex- accepted guardrails of what innovation is and isn't from a framework perspective.
1: Yeah, amazing amazing point there. Yeah, you know, we we define it as the right response to change. Right? So, ah, he, here comes it, yeah. here comes my you know background being forced into our definition and and it's not for us to force our definition on anyone. It's making sure that they are aligned within their own organization. But but you know, making sure that they own it as well. Like, there's nothing worse. We're talking about change here, so it's ironic that we would come in and say use our definition. Thou shalt, right?
0: That's a, <laughs> yes, a terrible strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I went I went to the mountain and I brought back your definition for you. Yeah, 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 yeah there you go.
1: Uh, but I mean, we we add on to that definition of you know through idea management, and we use the standard categories of your know, core innovation, adjacent. And transformational is kind of the three categories there. And the reason I bring it up, Tyler, is that we get so confused on talking about innovation, what we think it in, we what we think it is. We associate it with technology and startups, mm-hmm. but when we get to a large business, we're just so damn confused on what it is. And that concept of core, adjacent, transformational—you uh, know—for people listening in, right? It, you think of McDonald's, fucking. Indulge. I don't know what time of day people are listening to the podcast. But,
0: <laughs> if it's but, before noon, everyone's getting hungry, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the breakfast menu, right? Uh, yeah. But that, that concept of core innovation is really just making things better for existing customers, for existing employees, right? So that's that touchscreen when you walk into McDonald's, right? You're, you're not bringing in new customers, but it's making it better. Right. And that, that idea of continuous improvement and I, i.e. removing friction to a certain extent, right? Just to oversimplify that. Making, yeah, making things it, easier. Make it easy. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's really where a big chunk of the psychology comes into it. I mean my background educationally is biomedical science and I think all day long around how we're wired to how that connects to innovation. Yeah. And this concept of, you know, our brain doesn't store energy then it's always going to be looking for ways to shortcut decision-making and, and the tasks that we do, right? I mean, that's why we have habits. That's why we have cognitive biases. So, you know, if we can make things easier at work and quicker, that also means cheaper and saving more money for the organization. But that's that core innovation bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we talk about building a foundation in change and, and innovation, getting really, really, really good at that touchscreen innovation. I'm, I shouldn't be using technology as an example because it'll <laughs> cloud, cloud yeah, the conversation. It, I, but. I appreciate
0: you're using something relatable. So I, I do appreciate <laughs> that. You yeah. know, I, I read an article years ago, Harvard business review, you know, stop, Stop trying to surprise and delight your customers and just be easy to work with. And yeah. then they had all the studies of sewing like all this surprise and blow people away. You actually have longer retention, a better customer lifetime value if you just are easy to work with. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> as a bunch of marketers, we're always trying to sell the the confetti and the, you know, the confetti guns and the party and oh my God, it's amazing. Just be easy to work with because your brand is the experience I have when I interact with you. And it's not sexy, but it's true.
1: <laughs> That's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going to steal that one, Tyler. <laughs> please,
0: please.
1: <laughs> but I, I think you know, our conversation around change and innovation and where they kind of meet. Yeah, you know, this has worked out really well for us. You know, being able to explain the value of getting really good at core innovation, right? That that, and you bring in a lot of change there because now you have to manage continuous improvement change, and a lot mm. of organisations are are naturally on that trajectory right Uh, you know we we have someone that looks after continuous improvement we have strategic planning i would put in that that same bucket albeit you know we, we can talk about the evolution of where that should go uh but but that getting really good at core innovation that touchscreen is a foundational piece in how we bring in that discussion around managing change you're already doing this stuff right if something took you five hours over the course of a year right and we can bring that down to one hour you you know, we, we've just saved $40,000 across the company based on that one core innovation, right? And now we're starting to build credibility and trust within the organization to say, hey, innovation is for us because we're actually, you know, making life better for employees, we're, we're, we're making money off it, you know, all those kind of good things. So that's kind of the first bucket.
0: And it also seems so much more approachable and it seems more like a blunt table stakes and probably a lot more tied to your core competencies. Like it's a, fa- we're using fast food. It's a fast food restaurant. You're making it faster, which then makes my life better, which makes it easier, uh, facilitates the transaction. Like it's probably a lot more closer to core competencies than maybe when you get way out on the fringe of transformation, but we'll get, sorry, I won't, I won't jump to the end, but I love the core competencies concept. And if you really know what your core comps are then you your ability to to consistently improve on them should be just part of your you 're probably doing it, not even realizing it. I love that you 're categorizing it and calling it something again Mike my, my just taking taking past conversations and rolling them into this one
1: <laughs> yeah I, I love it i, I your idea there of you're probably you one hundred percent are already doing it, and that's where mm-hmm. I think people get caught up with that mm-hmm. gap between saying they 're innovative and not being able to explain how they do it you know and giving you a, a way to say how. Right, and, like and we, a we, we've got to move away, and
0: and and, and be, don't be careful. What's sexy and what's like the, that moniker of oh, big transformation, which we'll get there. It's funny, in our world, I always, like with clients I do, this. I've been drawing this for years. People talk about, oh, we're going to do this big brand strategy. And I say, well, let's put your brand in the middle. Who's the first ring? Well, it's, your, it's your employees. Who's the second ring? Well, it's your vendors and your partners. What's well, the third? It's your existing customers. Then it's the people that know you and don't use you. Then it's the people that don't know and don't use you. But we always jump right to the outside and try to chase that transformational layer while we step over all the stuff that's right in our backyard. And I don't know how many times I've drawn that on the board, and they're like, oh, yeah, but I want to spend all the money to get those people. I'm like, yes, yeah, but what about all these other groups that you already have a, that are already part of your, your your community, if you will? And we step over it to chase the transformational. I'm just playing my own diagram on. It.
1: <laughs> no, I, I love it. It also brings in the, you know the concept of thinking about innovation as as problem solving. Right, we we help organizations visualizing this magical land of turning your organization into this problem-solving factory, right? That's, uni- that's pretty uni- much Unicorns,
0: and rainbows. unicorns <laughs> yeah. and rainbows.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that it. But, but really we, you know, we've been alluding to this idea of transformational innovation and, and I'll get there in a second, but, but it is really all about problem solving and idea management, right? That that's how we talk to innovation, right? If you can manage your ideas across the organization and also improve your capacity for problem solving. You're you're a top five innovative company. If, that, if that's if that label is important to you, right? We, we just use a word to associate it with what people know. But for us, underneath that layer of innovation is get really really good at problem solving, and get really really good at managing ideas. Because then again, back to that point of if you're a if you're a startup with five people, if you're a, you know that ten thousand person company, creating idea flow throughout that organization of small versus large where a person where Shannon can have an idea in a shower and go to work. If that idea dies and it doesn't go anywhere, you know, every idea not captured is an idea lost. And when we go back to that idea of managing idea of looking at the rate of change, if you cannot create idea flow in your organization from the 10,000 people that are coming in every day and they're the experts in what they do, if you can't manage their ideas properly, that company that can do that, is going to thrive way, way more than, than you are. Right. So the concept of idea flow, yeah, I think is yeah, a, is, yeah, a, is yeah, an important one.
0: Again, such a big beast. To, Cause no matter what everyone has, has like resource constraints. If you're five people, you have resource constraints. If you're 10,000, you have resource constraints because time is already committed. Opportunity cost is real. It, it, it's a factor. I really like that. They're, 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 Kind of that discipline of, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be defined more by what you say no to than what you say yes to. And like that balance of how do you create a framework that the right things are getting said, maybe no, not for now, but there are other things are getting said yes to. But if you don't have idea management, it's all getting it's all getting overlooked.
1: Yeah, we, we do that exercise early on with, like with anyone new that we talk to, right? Is okay, yeah, draw out the, the flow of ideas for your team, for your organization, for yourself, right? And that is such an important baseline. Right. And, and uh, you know, talk about how, how, how
0: many, how many are able are, are not able to do it or how many are able to do it if you had 10 of them in the room? Because that feels like every sudden everyone goes, yeah. And then it just, everyone holds their pen in their hand. and doesn't write anything down. You, you know what? It's,
1: it's interesting that I, I uh, you're probably thinking, you know, it's a high number that don't, but it's such an interesting number that, yeah, that can so and don't realize it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm on board with you, Tyler, and thinking, you know, this is nine out of 10 can't do
0: it. Yeah, but, that, but that was my, my brain wanted to go to the negative on that one for and, sure.
1: And you know what? So did mine. So, hey, shame on us for, <laughs> for No, hey, you know it. what?
0: I, I love new <laughs> – I, I reserve the right to learn something new and change my mind, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it, it's also making it – back to my point of, of making this so damn simple that people – it's a pain reliever. It's not an addition to their day, right? And, you know, many examples of – so what happens if you come to work with an idea, right? Well, we have a weekly meeting, and then we talk about it. And then if it goes somewhere, we'll work on it. And then, so to me, that's idea flow, right? But now now we have a, a baseline of, so how does that work? How are you managing that problem, right? Whose ideas are getting sh- shared, right? Do, do we feel like they, anyway, That that's a baseline to say, okay, where do we go from here, right? So if you simplify the idea of what idea flow is, I think- Yeah, it gives a better answer than having a complex example of what you and I were probably thinking of.
0: Yes, because complexity dies under under its own weight. But back to your point about, well, you know, culture and this is, well, this is how we do it here if there's a showcase or there's an environment or there's a clear path that's understood about hey if I have an idea i can bring it forward and someone will give it the light of day that creates a very different outcome culture than oh yeah no don't bother with your good ideas and you're never going to they're never going to see the light of day anyways Well, you know how it's like around here like that, <laughs> that that narrative that happens at the water cooler can go both ways equally as easy my negative my ne- my negative bias puts it more on the oh, don't bother with good ideas around here nobody wants to hear yeah. them anyway like my my cynical, the cynical me goes there <laughs> yeah.
1: well hey isn't that why entrepreneurship is booming in, in, in Calgary yeah, and in Alberta, right? Oh. You know, an entrepreneur is just a pissed off entrepreneur where no one listens to him, right?
0: <laughs> Completely. That's why I'm unemployable because I can't deal with someone else's <laughs> yeah. restricting me from doing whatever I want. And if it fails, well, at least I'm driving, you know what I mean? At least I'm at the wheel.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, th- that is, I-, I talked about kind of- A bunch of pissed <laughs> off
0: entrepreneurs. well said. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and you know what? When, when we think about that in terms of economic development, right, in that- we yeah. don't want these pissed off entrepreneurs to leave. We want them to stay and bring that same, or tap into that that asset that organizations have, and that's where we focus a lot of our work. And and to be kind of, if I can get another floor on the elevator from before, right? We we yeah. we started. Yeah, the on elevator that is
0: still free. Like we're, we're still we've got to okay, reserve cool. for the day. It's like moving day. You know, you pay your you pay your fifty bucks, and you got the key to use the elevator. Perfect. All right, I'm calling you next time I move. Uh,
1: <laughs> but the yeah, the the under underneath reason why unbounded started was that that lonely tree concept right of you keep bringing your ideas to work right you keep just getting told to work on the same kind of stuff and so you're not you're not getting to that motivational aspect of working on funky problems and, and sharing your, your, your ideas. So what, what do you do? You start looking for other jobs and you, you think about entrepreneurship because that, that looks pretty, there's a lot of support out there for that. You know, that community yeah. is, is amazing, but, well, that, but what is that story that The
0: story about entrepreneurship in the last five years has changed when you and I were younger, maybe not, I think I'm a little older, but you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur that people would look at you like you get, you need mm-hmm. to get sent to a remedial program. Like that was yeah. not a viable career. <laughs> but people were like, I'm taking entrepreneurship at school. I'm like, that's a course. That's amazing. Like, you know, obviously, in the last five years, like it's maybe sometimes now over-indexed on. It's the most awesome thing ever. That's also mm. the hardest and the most risky. And da 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 But anyway, that's another. Entrepreneurship has gone through a rebrand the last couple of years.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, my world. I think about that exactly right. And for us, we're we're doing a lot of work in trying to balance out what that means because I think, hey, if an organization has its HR strategy where. It's all about continual onboarding and not developing existing employees and happy to see people go and start you know, bringing new people. That's a terrible HR model for a business, <laughs> right? But it's kind of what we're – I, I, I'm naive when I say this, so you know, please, anybody listening, come at me with your feedback. But you know, that's kind of what we're doing with putting all this attention around innovation mainly within the startup space, right? What are we doing for the 100,000 active – organizations already in Alberta to be able to tap into that entrepreneurial aspect of it. I mean, that, that's where we really focus a lot of our work because, yeah, there's becoming an entrepreneur in Alberta is sexy. There's a lot of support for it. But what about the five-year company that's a small business that wants to grow, right? How do we get them to be a hundred-year company, right? That And they're not focused on tech, right? So all of this funding that's going towards tech and startup and so forth, it's, it's a fantastic boost, for the economy, that's yeah, no, a good point. Yeah, sustainable economic development requires us to think more around the, the active businesses. Anyway, that's a, a rant down a different rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> no, and no, I like it. I, I could jump on that rant. I'm going to resist. We're going to circle back. So we talked about core. Let's yeah. talk about adjacent. I'm going to bring us back. I'm going to bring us back. Yeah, because yeah, you and I can go. Whoo! way off in left field, which I would love. We'll, we'll do that after over uh, talk Okay. Core adjacent and transformational. I think just even that little framework against that complexity curve starts to give people mm-hmm. a way to think about this, like the imaginary whiteboard. And for those of vi- us who are visual, I've already got this drawn out in front of me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so talk to
0: me a little bit more about adjacent and transformational, how that evolves beyond core, which is making better for existing customers, dot, dot, make it easy, right? Yeah. How do we move beyond that? What's, the, what's adjacent start to look like? Yeah, for sure yeah Tyler this was intended to be one of those stand-up comedy shows where you know you talk through stories and then you come back with the
1: punchline at the end we're, we're all coming back
0: beautiful beautiful <laughs> I love it no it's the, I don't, the art of circling it's I think it's called nested loops where you leave half open stories throughout your whole dialogue and then you close them all at the end and the audience walks away just feeling rejuvenated and incomplete and yeah. as a human being but anyways <laughs> it's a nice theory so we'll keep going <laughs> sure yeah yeah
1: that's that's what we're doing
0: So, so adjacent,
1: yeah, thinking about your core with it being making life better, like making your life easier for existing customers and employees. So, adjacent is about bringing in new employees, uh, customers rather, right? And and also employees. Yeah. And for the McDonald's example, it's McCafe. Right, little little plug to this little-known country down south called Australia, who come up with the concept. Not sure if people can tell the accent yet, uh, but the this idea of bringing in new customers, right? McDonald's just brought in a whole whack, a whole new market of coffee drinkers into their into their existing market. Right, so that that's really, and when we think about effort, right? Of you know, talking about you need to get really, really good at core innovation or continuous improvement before you can build the credibility and trust to to think about adjacent or transformational. Right. When we think in terms of percentages, these are these are known consulting percentages. So, you know, take them with a grain of salt, but it's really more around the concept of you should be spending, you know, 80, 85% of your effort and getting really good at at core and then, you know, around 10% or so at adjacent. And then that leaves You know what, a few percent. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. a handful of percent. Uh, Your your skunk works and your all that. But we'll talk about that either. And then, like, the how around transformational. But you're right, it it gets the most, it it, it has the best PR campaign, right? Right now, (laughs) I'm just going to take it back to who's got the best branding. Core sounds boring. It sounds like table stakes. It sounds like something that's not going to blow my hair back. Uh, Adjacent, a little more exciting, but transformational certainly is what gets the headlines if we want to just play out that narrative. Mm
1: Yeah, I, I play it back to the motivational theory. Right? So transformational seems you know like that that's what innovation should be. But when you think of if you step back and look at it in terms of that lonely tree entrepreneur and creating an environment of motivational you know or unlocking motivational theory within your organization, core is the sexiest. Right? Because you are creating an environment where everybody can tap into their thinking and share ideas and then hey go work on that problem. What? I'm allowed to work on that problem, but it's not my day-to-day. Right? That that is the sexiest environment that I could imagine working with, you know, or or for as an employee. Um, but yeah, moving towards transformational, it's what we think innovation is, and I think that's why we've created so much buzz around it. And you know, we 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 talk a lot around you know why is innovation a buzz? And yeah, I'll take on Spider Man here. But you know, with no consequence comes no responsibility, right? We can say innovation a thousand times, and it sounds good, it feels good to say it, but there's no consequence to it, right? And and, and it's our mission just to be like, what do you mean by that? Right? How how do you actually innovate? And it, it's time to kind of get rid of that buzz around it. But I think because it does lie within that transformational state, but our yeah, our work is really focused on you know that being a five percenter. Right, that when you get really good at core, then you start building trust, and also your senior leadership. A big problem is that senior leadership don't trust this concept of innovation because it it hasn't been proven to them. Right, they don't trust it. So if you can show that core innovation is improving employee experience, is saving a whole lot of money, saving a whole lot of time, right? Once you add value to that core innovation piece, then they say, okay, well go uh, go explore. We're going to put a team together. Go explore. Uh, you know, here's a bit of money, go and look into adjacent innovation. Now you've built trust rather than just starting from scratch saying, we're going to go explore transformational stuff. That's a terrible strategy. You'll fail most times. But if you can gradually, and we go back to that curve, we go back to talking about change, if you can gradually move up to transformational, that's not always going to happen, but that is is the right strategy.
0: Talk to me about That makes sense when I think about larger organizations in bigger contexts. What about when I'm thinking about a company that their whole reason for being is because they're deciding to transform something? We've got a better mousetrap, whatever. It's usually technology. We talk about Alberta. You know, you're minus two in from like you're getting you get an idea on a napkin, you've got incubators, you've got support and you've got, you know, seed and uh, you know, angel and family round, and then you kinda of move your way up through versus a company that's maybe at a series A, Series B, which is like we've got something now, now we just need more customers. And then they tend to get a lot better at core because the transform transformational piece has already now become their business. Does that cycle differently than a ten thousand person organization that so much of their opportunity is legacy and tech debt and figuring out how their, you know, young startup competitors are are pushing and, and bending them, but yet they've got the the, the bank to be able to do all these incremental improvements. I feel like if you talk small to large is where those three really start to move around a lot. Or maybe that's just my own armchair thoughts about it.
1: I, I love the armchair thoughts. I mean I, I use a McDonald's example of the their original thought of creating fast food, right? The uh, the flow of creating a burger yep. within a yeah. You
0: know, most of us have watched, I think it's on Netflix or whatever that found out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Well, they've got but it taped that, out in the parking lot and they're building the, uh, they're, they, that was transformational in an industry at that time. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and but I think it's important to bring that back to apply that to what we think of, you know, as a startup, right. A napkin idea, you, you, you will not survive on an, on an idea, on a napkin idea. You will survive on having the right response to change. Right. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. pick, I pick, Common examples because people – not because everyone talks about them, but because everyone talks about them, so I know everyone <laughs> knows <relatable>, about them. They're relatable. <laughs> they're relatable. Yeah. But that you know that BlackBerry example, right? They did not have the right response to change, right? They, they had great technology. They're ahead, right? But they didn't respond to change well. So when we talk about that model for startups, it's great that you've got a napkin idea, but now you need to look at those other core innovations and adjacent innovations to keep your idea from just being a napkin. So yeah, I think just having a whole—I would say—community focused on transformational innovation. That's your one. That's your one. That's your McDonald's, you know, transformational uh, idea. But you can't keep having them, right? Now you need to look at how do you respond to change, right? Because that idea will die very, very quickly if you do not. It's great to have an autonomous bus, right? But if no one jumps on the bus a fucking terrible
0: idea right <laughs> it, it, it it's not delivering on being a bus it's gel, it's delivering on being autonomous which it's missing which kind of misses the point of what a bus is actually intended to do <laughs> yeah
1: yeah exactly and yeah, yeah, i, I yeah. think the, it's driving
0: around it's driving around town looking like a bus but no one's on it so therefore it actually isn't delivering its true value proposition
1: <laughs> yeah the value a,
0: proposition it becomes it can drive itself is very different than it can get people to where it can needs to without a driver two different things 100 100 it's a difference uh,
1: between invention and, and innovation Right, invention mm-hmm. is, is is that bus. Invention is when people are, oh, innovation is when people actually get on it. And I think that's a mm-hmm. a, a, a good thing that we don't talk about a, a lot about within the startup community. Right, is how do you build a business and put it on that curve of complexity because you're going there. Right. Yep. And how do you build that that into it early on? And I think that's the difference when we talk to entrepreneurs versus large companies is that that concept of idea flow. You know, we, we talk about. Leadership with entrepreneurs, and we talk about how do you create an environment for idea flow, right? Because the the three or four people that you have, if you're not managing ideas properly at that stage, hey, if you're not getting sales, what do you? Everybody thinks they need sales, right? No, they don't. They need ideas for sales, right? If you are if you need more people, if you need more talent, what do you need? More people? No, no, you need ideas to get more people. So there's that that middle gap that we're not. You know, thinking about it as much as we should, and I think you know, in today's world, to kind of go full circle on everything of if, if we want to really manage the the kind of change that we're seeing today, if you can, that your best strategy is to rely on the on the people that you have.
0: What does an idea flow framework look like from the perspective of, we'll start with t- 10 people just because we can all get our head wrapped around it. What does idea, because I'm assuming it just scales up. But what, what, like how, how would you start if that's the first, you know, you're doing a workshop and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. We're, we get it. We understand it. You've given us contact. We want to start with idea flow. Let's start, let's start there. What, what does that, what does that even begin to look like? And I'm like, I'm literally thinking about somebody who's listening. They've got a pencil and they're like, okay. Shannon lay it out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking your Kool-Aid, but what do I do now?
1: <laughs> yeah. the, the most, you know, I'm, I'm glad we spend a little bit of time talking about change because I, I, it's super important. Right. And I think the step one is to work with what you're already using. Right. Okay. 100%. We, we will always ask, what are you already doing? Right. If you're having that weekly meeting to talk about ideas, okay, let's work with that. Right. Versus, Hey, we're coming in. Here's a brand new, you know, thing that you should use, start using tomorrow. Go forth. So, that step one is to really understand their existing capabilities, right? And then, next step is to kind of custom build it for them. So, we we do have an idea management flow, right? And it's, you know, it's 15 columns of, of how to look through ideas. And, you know, there's a difference between a complicated problem and a complex problem, right? One has kind of a linear. You know, outcome, it's a puzzle to a puzzle piece. The other one is Sherlock Holmes, right? We're going to have to work this out as we go. We don't know what, too many unknowns to kind of know what this problem is. And and I think, you know, there's a lot of different columns that I won't, you know, I'm sorry, listeners, that I won't i won't go through <laughs> every column. Reach out and I can share it with you. But it, yeah, it's really based on the three steps of, you know, understanding their existing capabilities, custom build it to make it work for them. And then the, the third one is really finding out what the right, yeah, you know, I'm going to call them columns, but what the right categories are. So one of those categories, right, is core adjacent transformational. Another one is what type of value capture is it? Is so we,
0: yeah, first of all, where do we, where does this idea even live? Great, we're getting a bunch of transformational ideas. We'll park those over here. But even just labeling it right out of the gate to start, because then you'll treat it differently. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if you can create, I mean, it's a portfolio, right? So it's a, it's a terrible business mm-hmm. word for what we're talking about. But if you, if you can create that. I will not even use it. If you can categorize your ideas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't mind portfolio. I get it. We have a portfolio of ideas and we've categorized them in our high risk ideas, AKA transformational. We've got our adjacent ideas, which okay, well that's here, but we've got core ideas and oh shit, like we can actually work on that tomorrow. Like that's right in front of us
1: yeah and then you you can work out so much with idea flow just based on those three categories right who's submitting those ideas what problems are they referring to we we usually have a categorization of of revenue streams right so how do you make money right now and then we we attach those ideas to those revenue streams It, it keeps you a lot more positioned on on how you approach it but even just Collecting those, those categories of core adjacent and transformational. and hey, we encourage teams to rename those those categories and however they want to name them, call them the McDonald's examples. But really you learn so much from that right we're, we're, We've got a hundred core ideas. we've worked on none of them. We get no we get no adjacent and we've had 20 you know transformational ideas, right Just having that data, would be year one for a company to go, okay, like now we're starting to build this innovation muscle and it's all about how we manage ideas and how we manage problem solving. I mean, problem solving is, is another, you know, five minute conversation, but how they're, how they're approaching, uh, how they're solving it is a, is an important factor as well.
0: We'll touch on that. Um, I'm curious, what, where does risk play into this The risk of not changing the risk of not being in tune with where you can remove friction for your customer The holy shit, if we don't change, uh, we're going to become irrelevant in our space because uh, external factors, global impact, new competitors in the field. I'm assuming risk is playing into this in terms of uh, awaiting on what we focus on versus maybe we got a hundred core, we got, we got 10 core ideas. Wow. Okay. Which one is easy? Which one is approachable? Which one makes us feel successful? Which one is like, shit, that's a make or break. If we don't do that, we're actually exposing ourselves to losing business or losing customers. How do you factor that into the mix?
1: How you just explained it, it was the the perfect. You kind of answered no, your own question, I think, a little bit.
0: of oh, so, sorry that one. Yeah. This was me thinking out loud. So th- sorry, I didn't, that's not how I meant to deliver it. Here, let no, me ask a it question and answer because, because I uh, sound wise. No, that was not my intention at all. It was me thinking out loud. Then. I it, it it was a perfect response
1: though. In that, just now having that, you know, you just had that conversation based on what we've been talking about. That to me is a form of risk management, and, and my background is in risk management. Uh, I don't share that to <laughs> too many people, but this whole idea of managing ideas—it is a risk management program, right? And then these ideas come up. You, like I said, you have all these other discussion points or, or decision points, I'll say, rather than columns. But now you're you're looking at these ideas in terms of risk. It's all built on the concept of of how do we manage risk? And I think when you're looking ahead. Have you ever have you ever heard that? I think it's Jane McGonigal's story. I'll, I'll be quick with it, but the concept of um, she was a uh, you know used to build games, and she's a futurist, and she built a pandemic game you know, back in I don't know maybe years ago, right?
0: Yeah, I know, and I've had a couple of futurists on the show, so yes, this mm. is her name is familiar to me, and I, I find futurists just as a career very very interesting. Oh, <laughs> I'm hey. Like you do what you do? This it blows my mind a little bit every time I talk to one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. he's another tangent, right? We we have uh, you know, a futurist or strategic foresight person in our group. Uh, got their master's in, in foresight. And, and to me, that is strategic planning 2.0, right? That The 70-year-old tool that we use, what's the next? What's the evolution of that? Strategic foresight. And so I don't go down that rabbit hole. Go Google strategic foresight. But we, yeah, we build that into kind of everything we, we talk about. Uh, but, but this idea from Jay McGonagall was she built a, a pandemic game many years before the actual pandemic that we just went through, 20,000 people went through it. And then everyone was reaching out to her during the actual pandemic saying, I don't feel as like, I don't, I'm not as worried as my neighbor is. Right. And also she had the data to be go and talk to, uh, you know, different types of religions saying, hey, our data was saying that these are going to be the super spreaders, right? Can you take your things online and all that, and regardless of whether you know they listen to or not. But that idea of thinking more about the future and being intentional – I know it sounds fluffy. We're human. We're not great at predicting. We talked about biases and everything, but when but you're intentional man, do about we
0: that, th- do we think we are? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that that's actually the most problematic part is our belief, our how we overindex on our own ability to predict the future and and read other people and all those mythical powers that we actually don't have.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I know. But but there's, there's lots of good case studies around that. You know that that intentional work that has proven to be you know, to to reduce risk in terms of what you're talking about there. And yeah, I mean, we, we do kind of the work with like municipalities looking at innovation around the at, at the community level, right? How, because I, you know, we talked about it before with this global consciousness concept going on now, how do you, you know, looking at innovation within your own organization, it's so 2020, right? Now we need to look at it at the community level, right? How do you have organizations talking to each other? So it's not the startup community anymore, it's the existing businesses that come together that can connect with each other and look at innovation at that you know community or municipality or provincial uh, level which is super exciting
0: are you seeing more, and I've had a few people say this to me, like post-pandemic, as like, okay, great. Let's not talk about the pandemic. But there was some positive changes, no question, uh, of things that I think needed to get blown up and they got blown up. I'm hearing about a lot more collaboration or willingness to open the kimono, if you will, with even competitive uh, industries, just talking about the energy sector, uh, midstream upstream, to compare notes and to understand the bigger problem that we're all competing or we're all being faced with, that there's a little less protectionism and no, I must keep it. I must keep it secret, keep it safe kind of mindset. Um, Are you seeing that as well around this topic? Because the problems are bigger than just maybe my set of brains. I need to think about it because this is an industry wide challenge. Uh, Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? Or am I just being (laughs) overly optimistic? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I have many thoughts. I paused to, to give you the short answer on it. Um, I, I think as companies get larger, their arms get tighter around their their business. They're, they're less willing to, you know, they, their competitors become more real, right? And so I, I think just to bring us back to that, that scale of, of growth, smaller organizations are so damn willing to work with other organizations because to them, it's a
0: It's a growth opportunity, and then as you continue, it's a net net positive, not a net negative.
1: Yeah, and I'm seeing change. I mean, especially Alberta, you know, with organizations like you know Avatar and so forth, who are who are bringing the energy sector together
0: over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're jamming. They're literally smashing everyone together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So intentional, you know, chaos. Uh, So I I love it. I mean, I can see the change there, but I think just naturally stepping back and looking at the industry. Um, yeah, larger organizations are less inclined to focus on open innovation, but I think it's it's critical in terms of thinking more globally, more community based. You know, it, it's a must.
0: Well, the problems we're trying to solve, we're, you know, we're 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 all on the spinning on the spinning rock together, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, which is that's a little bit too kumbaya, but you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, um, I call it a yeah. uh, sorry, you know, this concept of. My, I'm a nerdy biology guy. It's why I studied the things that I did, and you know, I hear the concept of ecosystem a lot, right? And and I love it, but also deep down, an ecosystem is a self-sustainable system, right? To adaptable, resilient, all that kind of thing. And when I think of innovation within large organisations, it, it's more of an ego system. <laughs> right like it's it's more about ego as nice. opposed to coming together nice. and solving problems but i get it too i get it right you've built a business and you, you don't want your competitors to take you over and you've got shareholders to answer to and you know you've got ceos who are only in for a limited time right there's all these different influencing f- factors that a, a smaller organization doesn't have so I, i'll just say i get it but yeah the <laughs> leading towards open innovation and coming together is, is a is a must going forward
0: mm, i appreciate it um talking a little bit we've talked a little bit about the flexibility and you know some of the challenges, but also the opportunities when you're smaller. Talk to me about just some of the models, like the Skunk Works model for the large organizations, or the let's take it. Let's take a team and we'll put them into a co-working space, and they'll go over there and be innovative because they're not underneath our governance and our systems and our core processes. But it never seems to work. It usually seems to spin off, or it becomes a new a new leadership team comes in and they blow up the innovation team because it wasn't working anyways. And any thoughts or what you're seeing around where what what's the next wave of transformational, even adjacent innovation inside large organizations. Like what's going to allow that to actually, I'll be bold, work better than it seemed to be working <laughs> or, or what the, what the, you know, cause a lot of those skunk works, a lot of that stuff, that entrepreneurship, that's three, four or five years old. And I'm hearing a lot of companies like sacking it because it's not, not delivering any results.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, this story is coming out now how large organizations are shutting down, you know, their innovation labs and, and, and so forth, what you're just talking about. I I think it's just an opinion. So, uh, you know, I'll be cautious in saying it's it's just my opinion, uh, you know, what I'm about to talk to. But I, I think we jump into a lot of innovation seems sexy. Let's just do it. I'm the CEO. We've put it on our damn website. We need to create an innovation lab because our competitor's doing it. That's, and for context, I'll, I'll just kind of run through our framework a little bit because that to me is, is step four of start innovating, start learning, start adapting. There's, there's steps before that that you need to go through. And the reason I bring that up is, is you know, we, we talking about understanding existing capabilities. That's kind of step one in how we do our work, right? We, we use maturity assessment. That's just a tool, but it's really to try and understand where an organization is at, small, medium, or large. And then we, we use that information to build out what we call an innovation blueprint. And not to get deep into the weeds here, but I think it's important that, you know, step one is to build your innovation thesis, right? Okay, what, what do we want to be? Right, it's it's really just an experiment, right? So that's that's really step one. Step two is talking about framework. So taking that thesis and now applying it. And then the reason I bring that up, I won't ramble about the rest of the steps in the blueprint. But th- that point is where you understand what models of innovation. So what are you going to do internally to get your employees motivated? What are you going to do externally to work with industry networks? You know, is is having an innovation lab right for you? Right, we, I don't think we're ever asking ourselves these questions. We're just saying they're doing it. Let's do it. Right. So we're, we're taking more a, of a, a copycat
0: approach versus a real like, who are we and what actually will work for us? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's form the guardrails for decision making and then let's let's build it for what would work for us. And then then you have that discussion around di- all the different models out there. Right. We're going to have an innovation day once a year. Um, are we? Like, Why? Why are we doing that? Right. So we really <laughs> dig into that and, and make, you know, question them on what sounds good versus what's right for your organization. But at the end of the day, right, it's, it's an MVP. Get back to startup talk. You, yeah. Your innovation program becomes your MVP. Go test it. Go test it for a year. Come back and go, you know what? That innovation lab idea was terrible, right? That you know, we, we kind of shoot, tried to shoot for the stars. And, and, and that's okay. And that's, and that's okay. okay. Yeah, well, yeah, well that's yeah, the point. Yeah. That's the point. Like If you want to build an ecosystem of learning and continual adaptation, right, you need to learn. So you need to go and mess up a few times, but you need to have some
0: structure in place to be able
1: to and go back. You're and- just
0: quick to let go of what doesn't work, but doesn't sit around feeling bad about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Or telling shit. I, I, yeah. I heard, I heard one the other day. Yeah. I heard one the other day. You can't call it MVP. It should be called MLP. Most lovable product. I was like, okay. Yeah. As a marketer, I like making up shit, but I'm like, come on. Sometimes it gets silly. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> we had some good joke. Um, I, 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 I know we're, we're, we're cresting in on the end here, but I got so many questions. What a great, Shannon, really good shot. Really good, really good having a dialogue with you here. Any examples of where you look to of like, wow, that's a group or that's an organization that's kicking ass, you know, is it 3M and I'm picking an easy peasy one because if we all know some of the things they put out to the world, this is the idea goes, is it, you know, is there organizations that like, they've really got this figured out and they've, they, they've been able to scale high and right on the graph while also being adjacent and transformational. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's definitely a, a logical question versus a, an intuitive one for me. So, like, you know, I, I want to go think about it. Um, but so, I guess, what comes to mind? I think it's less of the success of it, but more of how they approached it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to pick a typical example, but I do love the idea that a, a very large organization went and purchased a shopping mall and called it their, you know, their, their innovation space, right? Their moonshot factory, which is Google, right? I, I'm yeah. not playing, I'm not playing with the bigs because our whole vision is to make innovation accessible for every company and not just allow the bigger companies to get bigger because they have money to throw at it. Right. That's, yeah. that's important. Which is right? a
0: whole other paradigm of where things are going back to getting your arms around almost like too many things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah, exactly. But the concept I
0: mean, of m- m- monopolies are real and, and, and can be very dangerous. <laughs>
1: Yeah so it's weird that I'm actually talking about this right now but I think it's more of the learning. <laughs> hey, come on of, you already
0: use McDonald's so don't don't try to don't try to take the high road now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I think it's okay so here's where I'll go with it is that they they saw it as important and all, albeit large companies typically do because they realize that managing change becomes harder, and therefore they need to throw way too much money at it, which is brutal. But then they then they then they figure it out. Then they go, oh, okay, this is actually valuable. And the reason I use the Google example is that they have a whole organization focused on solving world, like global problems, right? They've taken sustainability you know goals and said let's tackle them, and I and I love that about it, right? And regardless of the name of the the organization. So I bring that back to say that if organizations can adopt that way of thinking, more be it you know more practical and more
0: accessible, that's what we're trying to do. Well, what's realistic for you at the level that you're at in the game, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But they're structuring yeah. how they approach innovation. They're managing their ideas. They're managing problem solving. They're look, Every company at a certain point builds in a quality management system. They build in a safety management system, cybersecurity management system. We're just saying, hey build in an innovation management system early on you know, whatever that looks like and, and uh yeah you'll you'll get to where you want to go a lot lot faster and we don't talk about our framework being an innovation framework we talk about it being a growth framework
0: so yeah that's Cause ultimately that's the what that's the what we're trying to do with it <laughs> why for the sake of it no for the sake of growth for the sake of the right response to change which i really really love that definition from mm. the mm the right outcome to change uh shannon dude we could we could literally go all day this is fantastic i was really looking forward to it uh, i'm just gonna boldly say to be continued <laughs> i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> what is the best way for people to get a hold of you they want to learn more they, they love your framework they love your thinking they love your accent whatever it takes um <laughs> wh- what's the best way for people to get hold you man
1: mm. yeah linkedin's the best because then you, you get to see what we're doing all right and then kind of nice. follow suit there um but also yeah email wise Shannon at unboundedthinking.com. I got a few different emails, but that's a let's, let's that's stick a with that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And unbounded You guys get a good website. You've got some yeah. examples. You've got some you, you get you get into it on there. And uh really thought provoking. My head's I got so many. Dude, we could literally talk for another hour. Shannon, that mm-hmm. was fantastic. Thanks for spending the time this morning. And uh you and I will cross paths again. I'll, I'll put that out. I'll say that. I'll say that with uh, as a threat. Yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> That was I'll, a good time, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tal. I thought you might. It yeah. was really fun, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Tyler. Thanks so much.